It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday through Friday. Your team, every single day, that's what we do here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Check us out also on Spotify. Follow us there and on Odyssey, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to this podcast and all of your favorite podcasts across the Locked On Podcast Network. And be sure to follow me on Twitter, where every Friday, like today, I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions right here on Locked On Panthers. So at me at Julian Council or DM me at Julian Council. But first, press that follow button at Julian Council on Twitter. I'm going to get to those questions here in just a moment. But first, let me just start off by saying this. The Carolina Panthers are 3-2. and two. I understand that last Sunday, the loss of the Eagles sucked. I get it. It sucked to go there, to be surrounded by Eagles fans at Bank of America Stadium for the folks that went. And it sucked to watch your team turn the ball over three times for the defense to play as well as they played, getting those two takeaways for the offense to do nothing, for the special teams to leave a lot to be desired, and for all of the bad things that happened. I understand that it's tough to spend all week excited about the game and to get to Sunday and to watch your team go out there and lose a game they should have won. I understand that. I understand it stunk to lose to Dallas after a fun, exciting 3-0 start. The Carolina Panthers are 3-2. They're not 1-4. They're not 0-5. They're not even 2-3. They were a winning football team that are one game behind the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But yet, I'm looking around Twitter, and I understand Twitter is not real life, and there's only a small percentage of the population that's actually on Twitter, and not everyone who listens to this podcast is on Twitter. And I understand that... I shouldn't take too much of it or make too much of it. But even still, it's pretty representative sometimes. You look at the stadium and I've seen over the past couple years, like even before the pandemic in 2019, when I was going there every single game when I was working at WFNZ and sitting in that press box, that thing wasn't full for the Rams game, wasn't full for the Buccaneers game even before they started off the season 0-2. Like those two games wasn't full. And I hear the excuses of, oh, it's too hot. You go two hours down south on 85 to Clemson, 80,000 strong are there for a Clemson game at the same weather temperature. And I get, okay, Clemson wins now championships. Panthers have never won a Super Bowl and they haven't been to the playoffs since 2017, all that. I just, I get so sick of hearing the whining. And sure, maybe I complain as well, but like it's my job to sit here and talk about this team and to be critical of them and also to praise them. And there's the roller coaster of emotions that you go through as a fan and throughout the season and the NFL. We live in such a microwave society with having to react to every little single thing that happens and doing a daily podcast. You can't really breathe because you have to react to what happened that day. So I can under I'm not 
not stupid. I understand that, like, I'm self-aware enough to know that maybe I'm also part of the problem. But still, like, I'm not sitting here after five weeks going into week six against a very beatable Vikings team and being like, oh, season's over. Panthers, whatever. Matt Rule, get rid of him. Sam Darnold, get rid of him. Even though I'm not a Darnold believer at all. Sure, it could work out. But come on, guys. I just, every single fall, it might not just be the Panthers, but every single fall, People just quit after a couple losses, after a month into the season. They're like, oh, well, let me go find something else to do. And I'm the guy who tweets out, hey, go to the farmer's market on Sunday. But I wait until it's like December when the season's obviously over, not when it's October, when there's still 12 weeks left in the year to try and figure things out and to potentially make it to a wild card and be in position for that. So I don't understand for the life of me how any reasonable Panther fans, and I understand there's plenty of unreasonable people who are Panther fans. And honestly, in this country, there are a lot of unreasonable people that you just cannot reason with at all. You can't talk to them like they're never going to freaking get it. But there are plenty of people out there who do get it. And I just don't understand how anyone who's a Panthers fan at all, reasonable or unreasonable, could be upset about a 3-2 and two record so far this season. We, I, we sat here and had the conversation about 3-0. and They got the 3-0 and in large part because they played two rookie quarterbacks and the Saints had their issues. But who cares? They were 3-0. and Be excited about it. I told y'all they're going to lose to Dallas. They lost to Dallas. I thought they beat Philly. They should have beat Philly, but they didn't. Oh, well, they're 3-2. and We move on. And it's a new day. The sun's shining. You're alive. Hopefully, you're healthy. Hopefully, everything's going great in life. There's struggles in life. But football, of all things, should not have you down. It's just a game. It doesn't matter. And I get it. I'm a huge Carolina football fan, UNC fan. My parents at the school there. My dad grew up in Chapel Hill. I got season tickets to UNC football. I was so excited about the season. And Sam Howell, Dark Horse Heisman, all the Dark Horse college football playoff stuff, even though I thought that was ridiculous, that there was no way they were ever going to be in the conversation. I sit here halfway through the season, they're three and three. It stinks. But oh, oh, oh well. Like last week, I was despondent walking out of the Florida State game. And maybe I drank way too much, which I definitely did. Did I let it ruin the rest of my night? No, I went to the top of the hill, went out that night, had a great time. My friends felt terrible on Sunday driving back to watch the Panthers lose, which was another kick in the groin. You know what I'm going to do on Sunday, on Saturday, though? I'm going to get my ass up. I'm going to drive down to Chapel Hill. I'm going to go support those kids for another Saturday because I love going to Keenan Stadium. I love watching the game with my family. And that's more important to me than the actual result over 60 minutes. And I'm sure for the most part, most people out there feel the same way when it comes to Sundays in the Carolina Panthers. When I think about the Panthers, I think about growing up in that stadium, section 119, sitting there in that end zone with my dad and the Ricky Pro catch there in that corner of end zone when Jake DeLome came in at halftime of that week one game back in 03 and us going to the Super Bowl down in Houston. I think about those times. Like, that's what I think about with the Carolina Panthers. Who, whatever. If they win, great. They lose, whatever. But come on, it's about the experience, the relationships that we were able to gain. That's what football's about, especially in the South, man, where like that's where it means so much to people in our region, everything we've gone through. Like, it's just the game. So I don't want to see any more of this complaining. There's so much time left in the season. There's plenty to be excited about. Yes, the offensive line sucks. No, they're not going to get better. No, he does not want to play Brady Christensen or Deontay Brown. Brown's overweight. Christensen gave up six pressures and he has the worst PFF grade of every offensive lineman on the team. Maybe he'll get another opportunity moving forward. What Matt Rule wants to do is start Cam Irving at left, start Pat O'Flynn at left guard, play Paradis, 
play John Miller and play Taylor Moten. Only one of those guys I trust. And I'm sure only one of those guys you trust. That's just what it is. And the fact that they've given up so many draft picks on acquiring guys like Sam Darnold and getting C, um, and CJ Henderson and getting Stephon Gilmore, all positions like they're loaded at corner and not being able to have draft picks is going to kind of hurt. But I'm sure Scott Fitter has a plan of how to get those back and building the offensive line and building your roster through free agency is a move that doesn't typically work. The Jaguars for years did that. How's that gone for them? The Patriots spent a ton of money so far on free agency this past offseason. How's that going for them right now as they start off 1-3 and and barely beat Houston? The way to build your roster is through the draft. So I can understand people being concerned about whether we're able to, we, whether the Panthers are able to be able to build through the draft with the offensive line moving forward. But that's something that can't be fixed. Not right now. He's going to try and trade for him, but 25, 26 other teams in the league all need offensive line help. It's not going to happen. Sam Darnold, I don't think he's the guy. I said that's from day one, even before he was here in Carolina. I don't believe in him, but he still has time to prove me wrong and to prove to the entire city and more importantly to David Tepper and himself that he can get this job done. Just let it play out. Let the season play out. And I can tell the same thing. I'm sure he's probably being like, well, say that to yourself, Julian. Fine, Julian, let it play out. They're 3-2. and two. The Vikings are coming to town on Sunday. Keep pounding, folks. Let's get this done. The Panthers can win the game. I'm very concerned. I am leaning towards Minnesota. That's what my pick was. Although I think about it, the problem mainly on the offensive lines been the interior, not the tackles. And considering Minnesota has been really good on the edge, maybe the Panthers have an opportunity to win that game. But also the Vikings are second in the league in sacks and have 86 pressures. The Panthers the last two weeks have given up eight sacks and 19 quarterback hits. It's going to be a problem on Sunday, but there's no reason why the Carolina Panthers can't win, and there's no reason for you not to show up. It's going to be a beautiful day again on Sunday. If you have tickets, I get it. Not everyone financially can afford to go to the games, but if you can go and you can afford to go and you want to go, just go support the team because we have the reputation here of Charlotte of being fair-weather fans, people not really being all committed to the team, but that is not all that true, really, in my opinion. Like, sure, some when you look at the stadium, I can understand why people feel that way, and I'm sure there's there's some truth to it. But the Roaring Riot and the amount of people that travel to these games and the kind of passion that they have and how many people follow this team on social media when you compare it to other teams and bigger markets in the NFL, like, there is a backing. There is a passion when it comes to the Carolina Panthers. And don't let that flame go out because of a one game against the Eagles and because the quarterback over six quarters hasn't looked good. Like, You shouldn't be that surprised by that fact. Just enjoy football season. It's only here for, what, four months out of the year. You only get eight Sundays at Bank of America Stadium to watch this team. Take the opportunity. Enjoy the games. Don't make too much of it. It's just a football game. I get it. I talk about it. We talk about it all the time. We love the Panthers. We want them to do well. But at the end of the day, folks, there's more to life. So I don't want to see any more of this moaning and groaning of, oh, season's over. It's not. Plenty of time left. The, plenty of time left in the season. I told y'all eight, nine, nine, and eight. That's a good year. Year two of a rebuild. Anything p- past that is gravy. So yeah, I want them to be a playoff team. I still think they're going to be in the wild card picture come December. I don't think they're going to be a playoff team because the O line stinks and they have Sam Darnold as their quarterback. But that doesn't mean that that doesn't set them up for success moving forward, where you can maybe identify a different quarterback and build the offensive line in the off season, whether you have draft picks or not. It's all about next season. This season. Continue to build, identify the guys who should be here long-term, and just take a deep breath and relax. Okay, done with that rant. Let's answer some of these mailbag questions here on the other side, all right, guys? So 
again, it's just a game. I get it. I'm respond. I, I do the same thing. I understand fan short for fanatic and all that kind of stuff. Weekly mailbag questions coming up here in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on the field for yet another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code LOCKED ON to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, all right, all right. Let's do this. Let's get to your Friday mailbag questions here on Locked on Panthers. Again, follow me on Twitter at Julian Council where you can DM me or at me your weekly Friday mailbag questions every single Friday here on Locked on Panthers. Starting off with Will, a first-time mailbag question-er, I guess. Is that the... I don't know. He's sending a question for the first time ever. Will saying mailbag question. Given how the offense has performed this year, do you think the majority of the blame is on a certain person slash position group or on Joe Brady? He's also said, I'd love to hear your reaction to Robbie's interview from Wednesday. He was very honest. Let me start there. The Robbie Anderson sideline tirade outburst, however you want to describe it. Because I really don't like when people use those kind of words and like say he had a temper tantrum. Like he's not a child. He's a man playing a game where his team has lost two straight games, and specifically on Sunday, a very frustrating loss. Yes, Robbie Anderson has to catch that football on third down. He did not. Sam Donald also needs to throw a better ball, but the ball hits your hands. You're a professional at this level. You got to catch the football, Robbie. So I understand you can see it both ways, and it goes both ways. Both those guys need to be better, and their connection has not been there this season outside of really that first touchdown we saw in week one against the Jets. Outside of that, he's been fairly non-existent. I put out an APB after the Texans game on Robbie Anderson, and I'm just trying to figure out what's going on. He was very open on Wednesday when he spoke to the media about his frustrations and talking about how when he was talking to Frisman Jackson, the wide receiver coach here in Carolina, he was telling what he saw because he has a high football IQ. And that's what he said. Joe Brady said as much again on Thursday when speaking to the media, he pointed out that, hey, they're sitting back on our routes. Let's try and do a double move. And I understand that now then the response to that is, well, the offensive line is not going to give him time. So it doesn't matter. Either way, Robbie sees what we're doing here. It ain't working, Joe. And he's communicating that to the wide receiver coach who then should be communicating that to Joe. And for whatever reason, 
Nothing changed, and it led to the third interception of the day for Sam Darnold, and subsequently the game ending, even if Matt Rule wants to blame the defense for not getting off the field and giving the the offense another opportunity to fail. Either way, Robbie Anderson showing the passion, which he said on Wednesday, like, look, man, we put a lot of time and effort in it. And if we win, I don't touch the football, I don't care. If we lose, I don't touch the football, then yes, it's frustrating because I want to be able to contribute. I want to be able to help my team. Having passion, I love it. And you know, when Cam Newton was here in Carolina and he would like sit there with the towel over his head and like he was upset and all that kind of stuff and the Super Bowl stuff, like I never really cared that much. Yes, he should answer the Super Bowl question. Just do that. It doesn't look good when everyone else answers them and you have athletes like Jordan Spieth have to hand over the green jacket to Danny Willett after blowing up there on uh, like on that Sunday at Augusta on 12. Like I get it. But like either way, I love that Cam had passion. I love that he showed that he cared. And you don't always have to show that you care. Like some guys have the demeanor like a Justin Herbert who's just a calm guy, like a demeanor like Sam Donald has. You don't have to be rah-rah guy, but I'm never going to fault someone for showing that passion and that's what Matt Rule said as much also to the media on Monday and reiterated that on Wednesday so I never thought it was that big of a story and in the end Joe Brady said like yeah Robbie was right we should have tried to figure things out so when you ask me like who should be the blame like I'm blaming the coordinator right you have a lot of the same players like last year Robbie Anderson had a great season, had the most catches, had a thousand yards, a career year. This year, he's not seeing the football. Could it be the quarterback is not, you know, looking at him and he's having a tough time with progressions? Uh, it could be that. Also, Robbie Anderson said that he's being asked to play a different role in terms of the routes that he's running this year, and that might not be better suited for his talents and giving him the opportunity to have success like he had last year. So that's changing because of Joe Brady. So I blame either Joe Brady or the quarterback, but mainly Brady because it's his offense, right? He's the guy where I see John Gruden's now gone with the Raiders and all that whole mess. And one of the names floated out there is Joe Brady. Like, why? What have we seen through 21 games to believe that Joe Brady's ready to be a head coach in the NFL? Like, he needs to fix his offense before first before anyone hands him a head coaching job. So I have no problem with what Robbie Anderson did. And I don't understand at all why all week it's been something that was constantly asked by the media. And I respect for all the folks that do that job. Like, I know them. I'm friends with a lot of these people. Like, it doesn't bother me. But I'm just like, come on, let's move on. Nothing to see here, in my opinion. So thanks for the question, Will. And thank you for uh, starting to listen to the show. Eric, seeing the team as it is now, do we still agree after drafting J.C. Horn over the next highest O lineman? Well, you you heard you if you've listened, I think Eric's been listening basically since I've taken over. Like, yeah, I I was banging the drum on the offense alignment. I know we talk about quarterback, 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 quarterback. I was like, I don't care about the who the quarterback is. Just keep Bridgewater, whatever, have him for another season, get a rookie after that, or just go find someone else in 2022. It doesn't matter to me, but that's not the problem. The problem was that they don't have a roster that's good enough. And also the offensive line stinks. And it didn't make a ton of sense to me to get a quarterback who's terrible with when it comes to pressure and handling it when you have a bad offensive line. So I was sitting there, left tackle. Was it nine years in a row now? It's probably going to be 10 years next year. Will they have a different starter week one at left tackle? How is that going to help anybody who's back there at quarterback have success at all? Like who, It doesn't matter. It's, like, it's going to be very hard to have success with that kind of issue on the offensive line. And look, uh, I wanted to tackle. They waited until the third round 
to get Brady Christensen, who they see more of a second-round guard, great as a guard, and they see him more as a right tackle than a left tackle. Even if he played left tackle at BYU, that's just not where they think he should be at. And Matt Rule also thinks he needs time to develop, so that's likely not going to be a solution here for the season. As we saw on Sunday, gave up six pressures. He's not a solution. You might want to see him just because you drafted him there and you're sick of the guys in front of him, how he can't be much worse. Well, according to PFF, he is worse. So that that's just the reality of the situation right now. Do I they took they went best player available. And my kind of draft strategy is best player available. You don't need to reach for needs. They sat there, they like JC Horn. That's who I told y'all I thought would be the pick after people I had spoken to. I just thought they would trade back and get him at 15. Instead, they got him right there at eight. First defensive player taken off the board, and everything was working out. Like JC. Wasn't a bust to start off the season. He was playing great football before he got hurt. Maybe we don't see him the rest of the year. But, oh, well, I think he's going to be a good player here in Carolina. And that's also a position at corner that they hadn't used a first-round pick on since Chris Gamble. And they haven't used an offensive line first pick since 08 with Jeff Ota. And they need to go out there and do it up and coming. And they were going to take Panay Sewell. Just unfortunately, they didn't take him. Rashawn Slater was someone who was also there. And there's conversation of whether he's actually a guard or a tackle. Well, so far, the Chargers, he's been fantastic as a left tackle. Christian Derrissaw, who we're going to see on Sunday with the Vikings, he might be their left tackle of the future right away, too. So, yeah, it's very frustrating to see other teams take first-round offensive linemen and to sit here and, con- and continuously watch the Panthers play dudes who were bums every other place that they played at. And that's really no offense to them. They just haven't been good players. And I get it. Yeah, so, no, I don't, like... Disagree with their choice over J.C. Horn. I just I hate the Lions who deserve all the misery in the world, which they're getting so far this season for denying us the opportunity to get Panay Sewell as our left tackle. All right. Shallow Waters Friday mailbag. Much like yourself, I'm preferring to wait and see on Sam Darnold. But do you think that part of his struggle simply is the fact that Joe Brady's scheme is obviously catered to getting CMC the ball? Should we not place at least a little of the blame for Joe on Joe for not finding ways to get all of his team's offensive talent involved in a variety of ways? I don't know how much you can blame Joe Brady in this. Uh, here's the thing. Like last year, Teddy Bridgewater was here. Y'all said he sucked. You hated Teddy. You wanted him out of his town. Good Teddy ass water. That's what people were calling him, which is just like real creative folks. You're like, get him out of town. Okay. Well, last year as a quarterback, because he, he had what? Four guys in the offense that were over a thousand yards from scrimmage. Mike Davis, who's now a Falcon and not nearly as good as Christian McCaffrey. He had a thousand yards from scrimmage. DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, who's now having terrible season after signing an extension and then Curtis Samuel who's been hurt with the Washington football team but he had his best year last year four of those guys like how bad could Teddy Bridgewater really be with that so I would I'd probably blame the quarterback for checking down only to Christian or to be focused only solely on DJ Moore look at him Ask him to spread the ball around. The offensive line is basically as bad as it was last year. It's definitely, they're playing a little bit worse than they did last year. So if anything, I'm blaming the quarterback because that's the thing that's changed. Different quarterback, same OC, same talent around. And I guess probably lesser because Terrace Marshall certainly has not filled in to be that Curtis Samuel type. He's not the same kind of player, but he has not filled in stat-wise. And Robbie's not playing the same way he played last year. I blame the quarterback, not the coordinator in this situation. All right, one more here and then another quick pause. At Mr. Poncho94 asks, question for your Friday show. Being that we are starting to go down the same road as before, win a few games and lose a few, do you believe Tepper would get rid of Roll instead of waiting the full seven-year contract? Also, you mentioned Chuba's workload. You don't think he and CMC could share? 
I'm used to a two-back system, D'Angelo Williams, Jay Stu. I know we don't have a power back, but I think it would be beneficial. CMC could do something else out of the backfield schematically. Yeah, it's certainly, I'm sure that Joe Brady can find a way to incorporate both of those guys. Like, Chuba deserves carries. I'm just on the, the thought process for me is, like, Christian McCaffrey is the best back in the league when he's healthy. The only back in the league who might be better than him is Derrick Henry with the Tennessee Titans. If you have the best back in the league, one of the best offensive weapons in football, period, like why would you want to give the football to another guy at his position, especially at the position of running back? And I'm also of the opinion that running backs should be making federal minimum wage and that, that you should never pay them. And I understand that conversation is now being floated around and that thought process has been throwing, floating around because Christian's been hurt. And it's unfortunate that as soon as he signs a contract, he gets hurt. Like that's happened to David Johnson, it's happened to Todd Gurley, it's happened to basically every single example of a running back who's been paid. It's just bad luck. It's also the nature of the position, which I understand is why y'all say don't give him touches. Well, I'm like, screw it. You paid him, give him as many touches as possible. I know you want to be able to get as much out of your asset. I hate to say that word, but that's what they are in terms of the business here of football. Like, just go run them, play them. So, yeah, they could share, but when he's out there healthy, I don't need to see Chuba at all. The whole 29 touches was kind of a joke. Like I get like where people are coming from when it comes to like CMC's workload. I just, I just disagree. Like I understand it. And like saying like me make, it was kind of tongue in cheek when I said it was tongue in cheek when I said like, Oh, Chuba Hubbard didn't hear a peep from people. Like that was really a joke. Cause like, yeah, I mean, give him the ball, like do whatever you can to win the game. Like if a CMC, I wouldn't care either way. Um, but your first question. No, I don't think David Tepper is going to fire Matt rule. Uh, after like if they lose the rest of their games this year, like they go three and 14, then yeah, he might lose his job, but I don't think that's going to happen. And I think David Tepper also recognizes like, that's a lot of money he's given him in a lot of years. And I don't think he wants to eat that money just that this early. Um, I think what he wants to do is like, he understands like, Hey, at temple, Matt rule, that first year was bad. Took a step that second year, third year. That's where they really made the leap. Same thing at Baylor. He sees here in the NFL, he called Matt Rule a program builder when he hired him back in January of 2020. He's going to allow him to build his program, even though that's more of a college term. He's going to allow him to build from the bottom up and then see how then see where he goes from there. Now, if they don't get to the playoffs, they don't have the sustained success, then he'll move on. So I don't see him firing him like after this year or even after next year, like unless they just have just disastrous finish of the season and have a disastrous season next year. I think at least he gets four years to figure things out here in Carolina. All right, quick pause and uh, more of your questions here on a yet another Friday mailbag on Locked On Panthers. Oh, Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever and the best tasting protein bar that allows you to celebrate the freedom of choice. I hear all about your freedom to choose to be Dumb or smart or whatever, but here in America, you have the freedom to do whatever you want, even though you don't have the freedom of consequences. Never forget that out there, people. Some wise words from this man, Julian Council, to you. And the wisest words of all are that delicious, delicious, delicious taste of built bars that you got to get them right now. You can try coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate. There are so many great flavors for all of you to try. And if you haven't had all the flavors, you can always get a mix box where you get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Built Bar's flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. Check out the macros. They have 17, 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, always tasty and always healthy. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. 
If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, back to more of your questions before we wrap up today's show. Steven asks, Julian. This is beginning to get frustrating to see this team come out with no motivation or energy late in ball games. The team is there. Look at how we are playing in the first half of ball games. We can compete with any team when the first half team is on the field. That proves that we have the ability to win these games, which is true. In my opinion, the answer is simple. The game becomes flat and the offense becomes stagnant in the second half. These players need motivation, energy, and something to play for late in games before it's too late. That points out to the local total lack of leadership on this team. Someone be it. A coach, player, manager needs to step up and get these guys going. Just my opinion, your thoughts. I don't know what's going on. Like, clearly, and this is not just a this year problem. It's a last year problem. So the coaching staff, leadership-wise, like, I don't know what they're doing at halftime. I know Darren Gann of Panthers.com did some investigating, trying to figure out what goes on. And he he said, actually, from one of his sources, that it's kind of a lot like what you would see during the middle of a uh, a rec game on Saturdays at the YMCA, that they're passing out orange slices, they're getting these guys replenished and all that kind of stuff, and then also they're doing whatever halftime adjustments. Even though in like little league, there's not halftime adjustments. It's just like, hey, here's a snack, buddy, and go out there and have some fun. And I hope that's not what the message is, but you would kind of think that is the message, the way that these guys come out. And Joe Brady, like he's got to do a better job adjusting because it's an offensive problem. Like Sunday against the Eagles. Defense went out there and got two takeaways. It was the offense. And then you look at the game against Dallas, like the momentum completely shifted when you missed that field goal. And then the defense can't get a stop. But then Sam Donald throws two picks, like throws the game away right there. So it's really been the offense the last two third quarters that we've had here when it comes to the Carolina Panthers. I think they have leaders on the roster. One of your big leaders is Christian McCaffrey. He's not out there for the last two games. Shaq Thompson, he's not out there on Sunday. And I don't even know if that makes a big difference in terms of the game. Maybe it does. But he's not going to be out there again on Sunday. Like It's a young football team. Like Understand that. They are a young team. They are still trying to learn how to win football games. And a lot of these guys, like the bulk of these guys, the only guys who know how to win football games in this league, like at a high clip, are Daquan Jones, who's new here, and one in Tennessee. And you also have, I mean, not even, I mean, A.J. Boye, kind of, but not really. Uh, I guess a little bit in Houston and then like one year in Jacksonville. But for the most part, he's lost throughout his career. Um, Also, you're going to have Christian McCaffrey. But like guys who are actually on the Panthers team, like McCaffrey, J.J. Jansen, and Shaq Thompson. That's it. Everyone else, all they know is losing or, you know, what they what it takes to win in college. Other than that, there's not a lot of guys and even the guys in in the locker room who are the head coaches and wearing the headsets. They don't know what success is in this league. Some of them have been around here for a long time, but the ones that are primarily the the three that we talk about the most, Rule, Brady, and Snow, they don't know anything about NFL success. I know that Rule has a ring because he was on Tom Coughlin's staff, but other than that, like, come on. He didn't spend that much time in the NFL. So, yeah, it's just 
they're you're gonna have to learn. They're gonna have to take their lumps. It's through experience that they're gonna be able to finally turn things around and become a winning football team. And if they don't turn things around, then you know they'll be out of jobs, both the coaches and the players. And then they'll bring new people in here, and hopefully they can figure it out. But right now, I don't know, man, what it is. But it's it's on everybody. It's a complete and total organizational failure. What happens after halftime and how they play so well in the first half, but come out flat and terrible, especially offensively in the third quarter. And it's got to get fixed. All right, Russell, who's in North Carolina, that's what he has in his Twitter account. He says, if it turns out Sam is not the future at quarterback, how do you predict next year plays out? Deshaun Watson will still be toxic and a first-round draft pick. Franchise quarterback doesn't seem likely. No, I don't think either one of the situations are likely. Like Deshaun Watson, innocent until proven guilty, but 22? Yeah, it's just, you know, common sense tells you that's probably not going to work out for him um, unless he's willing to give a bunch of money, but I don't know. Just uh, just speak, thinking out loud here. First round pick, don't think Tepper after four straight losing seasons potentially or four years as the owner and not going to the playoffs more likely. Um, I don't think he's really trying to sit here and wait for two, three years. Or, I mean, he's not sitting here hoping that you get a Justin Herbert or a Mahomes or at least a Josh Allen, which he thinks is the most realistic kind of uh, guy where, you know, you have someone who takes a couple years to develop, then pops up. But really, the more realistic is like a Daniel Jones who's starting to play a little better football, but it's taken him a couple years to get right there. And he's not like a superstar like Josh Allen's become for the Buffalo Bills. I don't think Tepper has that patience. He spent way too much money to watch a bunch of losing football after coming over from Pittsburgh where, he's a mi- where he was minority owner and all they do in Pittsburgh is win football games. Different culture here in Carolina. I know we're trying to change it. Which roaring riot. I love y'all for that. Um, either way, just like, I don't know. I honestly can't. I don't know. Like maybe Russell Wilson. If I mean, things are going to go sideways there. It looks like in Seattle. Maybe he wants out of Seattle and Scott Fitter can be able to bring him here. Um, looking you know, around the rest of the NFL who might be available. I guess Aaron Rodgers, they're going to probably make a run at him. Even though I think it's Green Bay's gonna be able to trade him, right? Not he's not gonna be released. So there's an option. Oh, there's not a, like there's. I don't think there's gonna be a ton of veteran op. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, that will be an option out there. Do you want Garoppolo? He know he can take. He's taking a team to the Super Bowl. Um, and at the end of the day, it was play calling and also Patrick Mahomes on the other side of the ball that lost that game for San Francisco there in the fourth quarter, a game that they were dominating. Um, I mean, you want to get Fitz Magic? <laughs> There, I don't. You're not getting Bridgewater again. I don't think there's a ton of like veteran options that are going to be out there on the free agent market this year, like there have been the last couple of years. At least just the way I'm looking at it right now. So I don't really know what they're going to do if Watson's not available for them, or they can't get Aaron Rodgers. Not a great situation to be in if you're the Carolina Panthers when it comes to the quarterback. That's why it's so paramount that uh, Sam Donald works for Carolina. All right, Alex, mailbag question. If, if Darnold continues to, be, to see ghosts in the third quarter, do you think we ever consider putting PJ in for the first series of the second half? Can't be worse, right? Like, no, they can't do that at all. Like, they, they just got to stick with Darnold. They gave up too much. They have too much invested in him. Confidence is such a big thing for, for this guy. And I hate that you got to be sitting here concerned about a grown man's confidence, but that's where we're at. That's who they dra- That's who they traded for. He's got to be. He's got to figure it out. Either, whether he got to figure it out or he's gone. And I don't know who comes in. Like, I just tried to tell Russell and y'all, I, I don't know. I, I don't think they put PJ in unless, like, it just comes to him, like, continuing to, like, throw interceptions. Like, I don't think they're like, hey, PJ, you play third quarter, Sam. All right, you're in for the fourth. Like, I don't think that's 
uh, a logical thing for the Panthers to do. But hey, you know, maybe like you said, can't be worse, right? May I guess not. <laughs> um, all right, Corinne. She sent this one to me on Sunday, like during the game. But she said, I hope you're having a great weekend. I did kind of, Corinne. Had a decent weekend. Um, so the third quarter curse continues. What happens to the Panthers offense at halftime? And what can they do to turn around? Like, I, I don't know. And that's kind of what I was trying to answer earlier, too. With Steven, like, I, I really, I have no idea. I, I truly don't. Like, I don't know. And if I knew and I could tell them that and they would listen to me, then they'd figure it out. But Matt Rule said this week. Guys, it bothers me just as much as you, and it definitely bothers him more because this is his job and his livelihood, and he's got to somehow figure it out. Two more. Keith, love the pod and the work you put into it. Thank you, Keith. Do you agree with Matt Rule saying the defense deserves a share of the blame for the loss of the Eagles? I think that even though they didn't have the best game of the season, the fact they had two takeaways, um, I guess they cut off the rest. But either way, um, I did mention on Sunday uh, in my reaction podcast that like that's back-back weeks where the defense hasn't gotten to stop and gotten the ball back for the offense late in the fourth quarter. And I kind of said that like, and I, when I said it, I was like, I'm not trying to criticize him. I'm just like pointing out a fact here. And Matt rule, when he says it, it comes off worse. Cause it's the head coach saying it. And like, I'm just a pundit, just a guy who has a podcast in the media. Who's just having my opinions. Like that's what I'm doing here. That's the point of this whole, whole thing. And with Matt rule, like, yeah, I get it. Yes. They have good enough players where like, they shouldn't be giving away leads like that. But it's the NFL. You let teams stick around long enough. They have talent. They get paid too. They're going to figure things out offensively. They're sitting there all day trying to figure out how to conquer you defensively. And we've honestly seen kind of a trend too where they've been really good in the first half defensively. But then in the second half, everyone outside of the Saints has kind of figured out how to move the football on them. So maybe Phil Snow's got to do a better job of adjusting. So I don't think anyone should be above criticism for a loss like we saw on Sunday, whether it's the defense um, the offense or special teams or the head coaches and the players themselves. But the last people that should be criticized at all would be obviously the defense. So I'm not upset about that. I just, I do understand like where he's coming from, but I just don't know if that's exactly what uh, the messaging should have been from coach rule on Monday at his press conference. Final question of the week. Ken says with the trade deadline a few weeks ago, do you feel that the Panthers could trade away players, namely Dante Jackson, if they don't feel that they could resign him? They made it very clear that they want Dante Jackson back. Now, that is just words. Now, actions kind of tell you that, well, they got C.J. Henderson. They got a, they got uh, A.J. Boye under contract for another year, and they all, who's looked really good on Sunday, by the way, and they have J.C. Horn. So you got three guys you can feel pretty confident with going into next season. They also did bring in Stephon Gilmore, who two years ago, Defensive Player of the Year, remember, up there in New England. He's also a native here of Charlotte, already lives here. I'm sure would love to stay here. And I don't know, would you rather sign up for three years, $15 million of Stephon Gilmore, or would you rather sign up for four or five years of Dante Jackson, who, if you if you read his Observer one-on-one -on -one with Jonathan Alexander, uh, the guy who's going to want to get paid a lot of money. Like, are you, I don't know how much Dante Jackson should get paid, but if he's like asking for $18 million a year over five years, would you rather get the short, the smaller contract with Gilmore? a far more proven player or Dante, a homegrown player who really for the first time in his career is really showing out. I don't think they trade him at all. I, I don't think he can afford to just based off of the injuries that they suffered so far this season. And you get rid of Dante. That means then like you are banking on CJ Henderson to really be a, a good uh, player for the rest of the year. And he hasn't played that many snaps so far this season period. And that's also putting a lot of pressure on Boye and then you got to get Gilmore back. You got to see where he's at 
health wise and then like also like skill wise because he is on the wrong side of 30 which I think is part of why Bill Belichick didn't want to give him another contract and keep him there in New England, which has been the trend there. And the Patriots have been more right than wrong. The only one who's really proven them wrong for the most part has been um, a guy like Tom Brady. So I don't think they're going to trade Dante. I don't think they can they can afford to. But if, hey, if that means getting offensive line help, then I'm totally for it because he's a free agent anyway. And if you want to bring him back, you can always re-sign him. Um, later on, but it also kind of gives away the opportunity to, to sign him to the uh, franchise tag, which I think would be an option for a player like a Dante Jackson. All right, that's it for the Friday mailbag here on Locked on Panthers. Again, make sure to follow me on Twitter at Julian Council, where you can at me or DM me your questions for next Friday's show. So get that in whenever you have the time. But first, press that follow button on Twitter at Julian Council. Rate, review, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Also, check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, Stitcher, wherever you listen to the show. Thanks again, folks, for enjoying the show, for listening to the show. And again, come on, it's football season. Be happy. It's beautiful. It's like 84 degrees here in October. Maybe you're ready for fall weather. I kind of am too, but still, it's beautiful. We live in the Carolinas. I don't know. Maybe you live elsewhere. We got people in Scotland and England who listen to the show. So maybe the weather's not great there. But either way, you're alive. Hopefully, you're happy. You're healthy. Football season's going on. Let's enjoy it. It's only here for so long. Three and two. That ain't bad. And we have next time we have a conversation on Sunday night around 6 p.m. We'll be talking about four and two. So everyone have a good weekend. Thanks for listening to the show. I'll talk to you on Sunday. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.